and welcome to The Dirt. This episode is sponsored by giftstoyou.com, the place where gifts mean more. Did you know that Grow Your Own has its own fabulous gardening shop at Gifts To You? Head to giftstoyou.com to start exploring. This is the podcast that tells you not to lose heart, even when things go to pot. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, Laura's deputy editor and co-host. As usual, Rose will be dropping in later and we'll be having a natter about some of the gardening news stories from the last week. But right now, we've got one of my favourite gardeners from YouTube, Alexander Thompson-Buyer, or as you may know him, Our Green Agenda. So morning, Alexander, and welcome to the dirt. Morning, all. You guys good? Very good, thank you. Yes, really pleased that it's rained. I know, same here. I was sweltering my... I'm not going to say the word, but I was sweating <laughs> last night and I'm glad I'm glad it rained last night. So my plants are happy. I'm happy. And my cat's happy. Yes, that's all good. Um, and Blake, I know that you were saying about your hay fever and Alexander, I know that you said that you suffer with hay fever as well. I know yes. this isn't on our usual question bank, but I have to ask tips for any other gardeners suffering with hay fever out funny, there. Fu- funny enough, like the tips I've heard, everyone says that local honey and all this kind of stuff. I've lived in Croydon. I lived in Wandsworth. I lived in, now I live in Crawley. And I've got honey from every different location, basically. There's some tasty honey near me. There's a shop. I'm not going to plug the shop. There's a shop near me, but it's really, really tasty honey. Yeah. And I, I actually spent the time to look it up and it's a placebo. Like Really? I thought honey would help. Literally, it's a placebo. Like It doesn't help. But what I've found that does help, I don't know how true this is, but there's a natural antihistamine in stinging nettles. And there's this guy, he stung himself every day as soon as the stinger started to grow. And oh literally stung, his, like, he stung it, but I don't know whereabouts anybody he stung, but there's a picture of him rubbing up his arms and stuff. So I thought, let me give that a go because I'm not a fan of taking antihistamines because they just like, lull you out. You wake up, you feel moaned, if, if that word, if no one knows that word is like, imagine, I don't know, you had a heavy night and you didn't drink too much, but you kind of get that kind of night weird slumber. Mm. So I kind of thought to myself, let me give it a try. So I kind of, it, it, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you know, when you're getting an injection, like you don't, I, I don't like injections. I'm covered in tattoos, but I can't stand injections. And that whole fear of kind of building myself up just to kind of actively sting myself. And I did it. I blocked the chuck courage up. I did it. But then I had pins and needles for like three days. Oh no. But I didn't know, I, 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 I couldn't stick with it. But funny enough, when I was um, harvesting my garlic the other day, my garlic is surrounded by wildflowers and a lot of them are um, stinging nettles. Mm. So I was trying to putting up the garlic, I mean, the garlic, and there was just stinging nettles stinging me all over. So but... did you notice that it's it changed? Yeah. How you're... I didn't sneeze that much because the land where, where my allotment is, it's like it's there's um, foxtail weed. I think as fo- soon as cow parsley's up and foxtail weed's out and elderflower, I'm sneezing like a good one. And obviously you've got the farms around and the dust and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just, it, it was noticeable. I, I, maybe it's because it's past the peak because obviously we had that kind of really, really dry April. But after that, it was just like, well, just the other day I noticed it. Like I'm still sneezing like, to this day but normally mine lasts from april to august but um but yeah i, I feel as that there's some there's some truth to it so whoever's brave enough out there wants to try it out then give it a go but i've never given it the time to do that but it makes sense there's so many in the kind of natural medicines that we don't know of that were so quick to pop pills down i thought mm-hmm. but so there you go blake are you going to be giving that a try or maybe next year <laughs> need to build up to it oh and young apparently young leaves are the best leaves apparently so you so. need to catch them early yeah i feel like i've yeah. missed the trick on anything this year because it's it's getting on in the summer now isn't it need i think you need to start early to for any of these things to work so yeah it kind of i don't know why i went there i'm going off in a tangent again <laughs> but um that's okay no we love a give, tangent give, give, give stinging else a go 
I would like to hear a little bit because I know this because I've watched your YouTube videos, but the listeners at home might not know how you came to get your allotment, which isn't the most traditional of allotments, is it? No. Uh, long story short, I lived with my mum until I was, well, from us about, well, pretty much all my life till I was about 31. And I saved up all my money and everyone, they always kind of build you up to kind of go out there and buy a house and stuff and have kids and get a dog and pay off your mortgage and stuff. But then my missus and my missus at the time, my missus now, Susanna, she kind of told me like, oh, why, why kind of um, buy a house when you could save up and potentially buy land and build on it one day? And I thought that's a good idea. So we searched far and wild all over the place, all, the, all over um, Surrey and all sorts of stuff and just trying to find somewhere cheap and big enough for us to be able to do because I like gardening and I like wildlife ever since I was a kid and I wanted a bit more spaces. It wasn't just because I wanted to live there, but I just, my garden turned into a yard. It's like, I I literally, it was surrounded by all different plants, all my favorite kind of specimens. The lawn was maybe like a meter by two meters. It was tiny and it was just surrounded by plants. It was funny. My parents at the time, uh, my mum and stepdad, they hated it until they one day they had a party and all their friends came around. I'm just like, oh, look at this garden. <laughs> and ever since then, they've loved it. But anyways, because I my business started, what, six years ago, I literally had to kind of half, not even half it, like just take out, like literally I had a, maybe a meter by five meter bed left over just of, I've got banana tree, foxglove tree. I'm not going to name all the plants, but just, just a few of my, my gems on the sunny side because I was north northwest facing. So I thought, just keep the yard on the left side, sunny side on the right, and the plants on the right. So, um, so yeah, so it was just there's not enough space for me to grow my own and have fun with it. So, so yeah, I found this lovely um, three acre plot down in Surrey. And for four, this isn't the thing I've discovered actually, this is kind of a weird thing. For four, about five years now, we've had this piece of land and it was just literally just old pasture land. And I had the mindset of like a gardener, like kind of homo logo kind of thing. And at that time, I used to dig. And as me, like, trying to hack this place back and do all sorts with it and stuff like that. I thought, you know, why am I fighting this place? Like I actually sheep mulched at one point. I sheep mulched about an acre and a half. It mm-hmm. looked amazing. It did look good because we we're going to partner Woodland. But times have changed now. Long story short, I'm moving to Scotland in like in August, but I, I, we can talk about that later on. But then I've spent all this time kind of creating like accidental habitats, if that makes sense, like kind of mm-hmm. creature hotels. You know, we see these creature hotels and we've got like, pallets piled up and we've got like bamboo sticks in them and like little signs saying bugs welcome here kind of stuff (laughs) but literally to that's five star bug hotel to us but then literally if you've got like a brick on the floor or like a pile of logs that's still a five star hotel to um to all the inhabitants or the flora and fauna alike around the area basically so i've spent like four years doing that and then this year because i knew i was moving i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna do anything because i thought i'm leaving soon what's the point but i like a proverb which says garden like you're going to live forever and I thought to myself yeah it's true because I've been at home looking after a little one because my missus is a key worker so I haven't been doing my kind of proper like professional gardening job so I'm here now and we thought why not we set up like a little kind of I, well I did anyway I kind of made like a parrot I, I love pellets wooden pellets if you guys out there can get free pellets take pellets you can build anything out of pellets I built some pellet sheds I built like a little fence around with pellets and then I kind of I love a freebie. I'm a bit of a scavenger me and I found loads of baths on on Facebook <laughs> and people were giving away baths for free. So I thought I was going to turn them into um, wormeries. <laughs> I wondered how you got so many baths. I was going to ask that I can, because they're like I get car- all around your allotment, aren't they? <laughs> I get carried away, mate. I get carried away. But there's one bath, this bath, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. That's a cast iron bath and it weighs a ton. I can't move it now. 
like because it's when it was wet i could like slide it along the mud or the clay but now it's just like it's ridiculous so now it's just like some mosquito bath but what was i saying so anyways yeah cordon off the whole place it's about maybe 12 meters by 20 meters so a little space i cordoned off and i planted some garlic there in like come december but it's only recently this year i did the whole cordon off so i brought the baths in because i thought i'm not and the reason why I was kind of using the wormery because I was getting scraps from Cedars Nursery. And now he's not going there. There's, I'm not getting as much food. So I used a bath to kind of grow plants in. So that's my little allotment. And I've noticed as well that, or maybe I should say before later on, but you, I, I know you guys are going to edit it. But I've noticed that I don't get slugs or snails. That, I know they're, they're, they're there, they're rife, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my plants have not been decimated by all the kind of the inhabitants that would annoy any other gardener because I thought, oh, I'm out in the sticks. So one day... I kind of took myself to make to myself from the garden. I cut. I got loads of chard from my garden. I made some chard kebabs and brought them to the land just to kind of distract the snails and slugs. But then I've come to the conclusion. I was like, well, I came back like three days later and then realized that nothing had nibbled my chard. And only a, out of the 10 baths that are in the allotment, one bath got attacked. And that one bath was in the greenhouse. And it's like an unusual space. You're not like going to expect like birds and other things to kind of eat kind of... um slugs and snails to go in there's obviously just one lone snail i'm not gonna swear little bugger in there having a proper feast <laughs> yeah yeah my broccoli they ate my cosmos he ate my didn't touch the dandelions which is good i see the tiny little bit of leaf miner on there that's minor damage but anyways so I'm, I'm ranting again but at the same time all i'm saying is this if you are going to have your grow your vegetables make sure you think about kind of inhabitants like kind of pest predators and all that kind of stuff beforehand instead of just kind of making it ideal for yourself because mm-hmm. if you make it ideal for other the other things around you'll have an easier life when it comes to growing vegetables so but that's i went off again but that's how i acquired the land to kind of make it into like a nature reserve and yeah we've got an owls as well now we put an owl box up and we've got owls living there so and another thing about owls they're in they're an indicator species meaning that that the biodiversity or the ecosystem is doing really well because we had two barn owls and we named them Omari and Terence and they were kind of a mating <laughs> pair but they didn't it was quite a wet year last year but you don't really get owl midwives so I don't <laughs> think they know what they're doing really so um, I think what's interesting from your um allotment is that you've kind of embraced nature but in a way that isn't you haven't thought right I really want to attract this so I'm going to do this you just kind of like go with what um, feels right at the time and yeah and I think a lot of people just think oh that's going to be the area that I have for you know attracting bees and that's that's my little wildflower area but that's yeah. that you know whereas I feel like yours is more of a 360 approach which seems to be working yeah because literally around the bathtub now there's like the grass is kind of this thistles and stinging it was grown all around the bath and uh, yeah it can be annoying to kind of move and move around but at the same time you can see like beneficial literally I've got I've, I've found um on Facebook another freebie you can get freebies there's loads of freebies on Facebook people but there's a Harris you know Harris fencing Harris yep. fence the big metal oh, yeah. fence like like scaffolding type of stuff isn't it yeah yeah literally yeah I had one of them and I oh, saw one of them on Facebook thought, oh, that's mine because I wanted a bean tower and everyone does all these fancy oblique like bamboo bean towers and I was a bit like they're nice they, they're practical and they work but I'm like I, I just thought I did make one but I thought it doesn't look as good as having a massive Harris fence <laughs> so I've used <laughs> I've used that but literally right next to it where I said where my garlic is literally you can see um you know the the plant cleaver or yeah. um, mm-hmm. sticky willy they're like two meters apart that you know um, runner beans are on the harris fencing and then two like literally not even two meters about a meter and a half away is the cleaver i hate walking and... past that stuff because it always gets attached to you doesn't it <laughs> are you are you that hairy blake that yeah, hairy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a nightmare <laughs> they're covered it's, it's the cleaver's covered in black fly and aphid sorry and so they're not on 
my 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 what you call my beans. So that's why I kind of sometimes I just leave things as they are. Like obviously, if the plant gets annoying and it's in the way, I'll happily remove it. Or kind of when I say remove, I'm not going to dig it up. I just suppress it and get some more hay. You put it on top. You can you can get rid of a weed or wildflower or weed in. I mean, the weed is in the eye of the beholder, basically. But um, like for example, my son likes to run around in the past, and there's like stinging it was erupting everywhere so i will suppress them but like just let mm. things be that's what i say and then just see how they go because like for example um dandelion it's such a good plant it dynamics it, it brings up like, it's got such a deep tap root so basically a sign of compaction if your soil needs breaking up you see a dandelion in there you know you see them in growing mm. in little cracks and stuff like that they feed the bees they feed so many different pollinators and yes the fluff is fun to fly around you know as a kid you, you know, i think everyone in this planet who's been around dandelion has done that like they pick up a dandelion and then you blow it around or put it in your friend's mouth or something <laughs> my squash i planted outside in my garden was looking yellowish because i recommend this guys if you're going to grow squash put one squash seed in one pot not two because they tend to fight for nutrients and they're quite greedy anyway and only here for a year so i kind of noticed the kind of the yellowy kind of bogey green tinge to them when i put them in the ground where they should be kind of like a darker green so i kind of literally thought i kind of need nutrients you need something so I got a little tip here. I'm not tip, but I like to use my urine. I'm not ashamed to use my morning <laughs> wee for plants. But then at the same time with the dandelion leaves, I just literally just rip them off and you just put them around the base of the plant. And now they're just as green as they they would they should be, and they're not yellowy green and they're happy as. So just yeah, just think again before you kind of you weed close brackets those plants yeah. that annoy you, and just think what you could use them for because they're here for a reason. They're not just here to annoy you. They're doing something, and they could give something instead of you just. De- demolishing them and using chemicals to burn them out so just take your time with stuff and watch and observe I'd like to say. Um, so we just want to ask you so in your time since you've been gardening what would you say has been one of your biggest successes the thing that you're most proud of? Um, I'd have to I just have to get the I say getting the right balance when it comes to ecosystem mm-hmm. as in like getting a, a nice um, yeah the nice kind of balance between pest and prey because I've never thought about that before in my life <laughs> until it, it was sitting right in my face. But like my garden, for example, my garden here is pretty much what two, it's, it's obviously it's old, but it's two years old to me. Like I put in a shed and I've got some Hugo beds. There's like seven beds in there. But the snail kind of un, like kind of damage in this garden is like so much greater than the one in the wild up there. And I've got a common behind here. So then obviously there's the life for them to be in there too. I've got lots of hedge sparrows. Like aphid problem is like, is none because I've kind of I've got nasturtions that extract the aphids. That's another thing. Well, a lot of people I'm sure know that nasturtions are tasty, but they distract um from the um the aphids too. But I got like a big old windbreak here and that the hedge sparrows come down, they nibble off the aphids too. But I haven't got enough tree cover and like a little kind of no no not enough habitat for to kind of just deal with the snail the snails and the slug problem because they're part of pain in the bum. But another thing I'm trying to do is find um leopard slugs from the land because leopard slugs peeps don't if you see a leopard slug don't click don't kill it they can never look very similar to le- yellow slugs mm-hmm. but they're a bit more leopardy than yellow slugs so google that you see the you can see the difference but leopard slugs eat other slugs and they eat decompo- decomposed kind of leaves and stuff like that so they won't damage your plant so encourage them if you see them and then if you find them out in the sticks in the woods and stuff bring them <laughs> home to your house because I, I have brought some ladybirds from the land to my house as well that's why i know the aphids are in check and they're doing all they're doing so um but yeah i've learned that ecosystem is the best way is the best way forward because long story short i'm moving to scotland with the family and we're moving to a bigger piece of land and the weather is 
because um, we respect your producer earlier, like he's from Scotland. I don't want to ask him, but he sounds Glaswegian, but hope he doesn't take offence to me <laughs> saying that. But um, if he is, but um, that's nothing wrong with Glaswegian. I like the accent. But um, yeah, we're moving to the Outer Hebrides and the wind there is ridiculous. The weather there is so harsh. It's, it's the harshest and the wettest place I've ever been to in my entire life. Like literally, we, I got off the boat one Christmas about three years, four, you know, four years back. And you know Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal? Mm. Like the wind. I was doing that like, just to get <laughs> from, from the ferry. And there was like sheep, like the Hebridean sheep just outside, like on the hillside, just just braving it. They're just it's just a tough lifestyle. It's a tough place. And we're moving to like some like mountainous area, like up near um Sydney, a little place called Lockheed Port, like um North US. It's a nice place. It's kind of very up and coming, nice families there and stuff. It's like a lovely place. It's very kind of community vibe and stuff. Everyone knows your stuff. If you know what I mean. So, for example, like I'm coming to the island. I'm part of the kind of the US kind of kind of crofting. They could call it crofting, which is an old word for like farming up in Scotland. But um, part of the group on Facebook, and apparently everyone's kind of excited. I feel I feel, I know, I feel like it's gonna be welcomed. Like they had a little a Black Lives Matter meeting up there too. So it's kind of like it's a nice place. I was gonna say, have you thought about how you're gonna adapt? You know, growing up there. What's have you been reading up on it, or are you just gonna see how it goes and and I, play I, it by ear? Almost? I have a cunning plan. I'm gonna follow around a park ranger for a year to see like what does this, what does that. That's a good um, idea. And just kind of learn everything. I'm not gonna do anything for a year because I found. I'm so quick to rush with stuff and like, oh, I'll just put this in. Yeah. And then but everything, there's, there's, there's loads of, there's roe deer. There's lo- roe deer and rabbits, like kind of rife on you. It's the only island and like, they shouldn't really be there because then they're not nibbling, not saying I'm going to go out and kill them all and stuff like that, but I'm just going to understand what, um, what they do and how they kind of, what they don't like. And not many things like garlic, which is I've found because, which is a great thing. So I'm kind of, my cunning plan is going to be garlic, pallet sheds or pallet walls dry rot walls and a lot of persistence mm-hmm. to try and kind of rid myself of these kind of these pests and all sorts and stuff but then yeah, once i've t- taken a year to follow this guy around then i'm going to kind of sit down and fingers crossed i can get this but make like a community and you're going to learn a lot from um you know the other people other yeah definitely people that are growing there already i think that's like whenever you go somewhere new it's always great to chat to people that are yeah. doing it too because they've they're just going to have a better yeah. idea, you know. Because um, Susie's mum's been doing it for 20, 25 years, growing vegetables mm-hmm. up there. And she doesn't use, sorry, she doesn't use snail pellets. Mm. I found that so shocking. Like, Uist is the wettest place in the world. And she doesn't use snail pellets because she's got a nice um, level of thrush growing around um, her garden and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I don't want to get waffling on about <laughs> that, but it amazes me. Um, moving on from the successes to perhaps the slightly less popular topic of garden failures, can you tell us about any things that haven't gone quite to plan in your garden or things that you've had to rethink afterwards or anything like that? There's three things I can think of, which is, is uh, one time I grew one, this is a little simple one, but I'm sure I've never experienced bolting before. Mm. Like I've only been growing vegetables for about five, six years, but gardening for 14. But I didn't think, I thought, oh, the, the green, the beans are growing really fast. That's kind of a good thing. Like, I'm kind of happy that they're doing this. So then I grew these runner beans and <laughs> they tasted awful. Like, <laughs> I never, have you ever tasted bolted runner beans? And they're just the most disgusting things in the world. And it makes sense because I thought to myself, oh, it's growing really fast. So that means it's a good thing. That's one thing. That's a minor thing. But another thing about chitted potatoes, you always put your potatoes in the cupboard and they always chit and they turn, they get little white buds and little roots and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, well, I could just plant potatoes. So me and my son cedar bean like i didn't do this but I w- it would have been a good thing to do on youtube because then obviously people would correct me and make me understand and all sorts but i posted it on instagram but 
I literally just put the potatoes in the ground come winter because hopefully by the next year I was thinking that they'll be able to kind of they'll be grown and I could pull them up by now. But yeah, they got devoured. I used a roof stat method and I didn't chip them and they literally just rotted. Oh, no. Slugs got them, everything got them pretty much. And I've learned my lesson from that that you have to sit down, you have to chip your potatoes. And I'm kind of I'm I'm growing potatoes in pots this year. Mm. And yes, yeah, done it. It's I don't know, I haven't pulled them up yet, but at the same time, it looks really, really well. So I like growing potatoes in pots because when you come to pull them up, it's a lot easier than in the ground. There you you go. don't lose anything. Exactly. You, know, you can just tip yeah. out the, the soil or whatever and, and find it. You end up forking your like your your like your prized jacket potatoes. <laughs> yeah. basically. It's silly. It is silly. And that's about it, really. I, I'm sure there's loads of in my, yes, in my head, but that's chitting potatoes. And you talk about gardening in general, not just growing vegetables right oh yeah yeah any anything in the garden I mean we've even we've had guests in the past who have fallen into fence holes and burnt down their greenhouses and things <laughs> there's been a variety of mishaps because I, I, it's just a lesson learned I don't really because it's hard to me to think because I don't really th- see them as mishaps I just feel like then they're just lessons learned yeah. I haven't really burnt anything in, in before like, like maybe I don't know it's a bit. I don't know when to say it on here. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit nasty. Well, we can we can always move you on instead to our yes handy tips and shortcuts and hacks portion of the show. That'd be good. Have you got any tips and tricks that you'd like to share with the listeners that perhaps aren't things that you would read about in a gardening textbook? Okie doke. Uh, I would say everyone shouldn't be ashamed of their waste their urine waste and start using in the garden because all plants need is well few the main thing that a plant needs is nitrogen phosphorus and potassium and urine is filled with that there's there, there's a the new t- a tattoo i'm going to get i might even get it on my forehead I'm <laughs> the same time, it's called please do <laughs> the, the missus will be, be a statement but it's good <laughs> imagine isn't it why not but there's no waste there is no waste in nature mm. you know what i mean there's no waste in nature i can understand there's a bit of taboo when it comes to poo but anyways back to myself i'd say use urine like your morning wee is the best wee like pour it I'm not sure the ratio. I'm, I'm not one to kind of use numbers and stuff. But if the plant looks sad, then I know I'm doing something wrong. But at the same time, you get a little pint of, you know, a six pint of milk jugs that you can get from like Sainsbury's mm-hmm. or anywhere. And you have a little morning wee in there. So it's harder for the women, but use a she wee or use a bucket if you haven't got, you can't use a butter jug. And then just fill it up with water and then you douse your plants. You douse all your plants that you need it kind of thing, need a feed. I definitely did that to my squash I was talking about the other day. Another thing is, um, kind of plant for your plant for your ecosystem and your bees and your, obviously everyone knows about bee friendly stuff but there's other things out there that you could kind of make homes for like everyone has these persist persist pristine sorry pristine beds and borders mm-hmm. and stuff i'm not about that i don't like i like structure and stuff but i find like every place has a like if you make little habitats around your plants and your like your kind of your veg beds and stuff like that it will bring in inhabitants i know i've kind of already said this but it will bring in kind of beneficiaries to your area so you don't have to use pests and kind of pest i mean pest control products and like slug pellets and sprays and all sorts and like sticky sticky you know there's people have those like sticky like you know, people get willy aphid on your mm. apple trees and mm. stuff like if you had an abundance amount of if you had more ladybirds in the area i'm sure you wouldn't have to kind of deal with those little weird kind of pyramidy tp type things hanging off your tree mm. and stuff like that but yeah there's just so many different ways there's like if you get the right balance then you're happy and like i said i'm still working on it. i'm not i'm not perfect i'm still working on that balance but i just 
I don't even know what your question was. That's how much I've talked on. <laughs> I'm still thinking about this wee thing, thinking about yeah. how I'm going to convince my nan when I next go round that I need to wee on her garden to make stuff better. But I, I might, I might drop it into conversation and see what the reaction's like. <laughs> yeah, dilute, definitely dilute. Just don't forget first, to dilute it. Yeah, yeah, because you can kill a plant if you wee in it too. I've, I've tested it. You can kill a plant <laughs> if you wee in it too much. Um, we normally finish off by sort of asking people what their biggest lesson learned since since they started gardening is would you say that yours is the eco side of gardening biggest lesson like mm. i've never experienced i never thought about it to this like to this year i was just like had that epiphany it's weird this this pandemic is pandemic has slowed everything down because mm-hmm. mm. i'm so quick i'm like when i was working i had like 30 40 gardens and i'm going to say this i'm going to big myself up i used to do kylie minogue's garden too <laughs> really but, um, name since... drop there <laughs> yeah. that's name such drop, a good yeah. name drop though <laughs> and I, I, I do have a picture but i promise her that i wouldn't send it to everyone because she's not wearing a kind of a, a full full kit if you know what i mean she was just in <laughs> jeans and t-shirts she's a lovely lady i'd say it on here she hears this her garden's not the best but at the same time it's one of those gardens you just go to and like she's kind of got massive bamboo on either side mm. and like a couple of aces aces around the side and some decking and all sorts of stuff but um but yeah it's a nice garden but yeah the eco because i've actually spent my whole kind of working life just going to different people's gardens and like working with different things and just try and keep them happy like and just not seeing the kind of what's in my face and now i've had the time to kind of sit back and recollect and think i'm looking at my garden every day i'm looking at the, um, the allotment every day you can see what what my kind of my presence has done as mm. in why i was saying about compost heaps and leaving kind of wood log piles and stuff so yeah i just basically i'm saying like embrace nature yeah. embrace nature and you will benefit benefit with yeah. growing and all the beneficiaries that comes with it thanks so much for coming on alex yeah, thank and you. Oh, good really luck with your move to you. scotland oh, thank you uh, and thank you very much people can keep up to date on your youtube channel i'm sure which is our green agenda can i plug myself on instagram go for yeah, it of course my instagram is going to be changed one day but my instagram page is called mantra landscapes and that was my company name and yeah so i'm going to change it one day but right now it's called mantra landscapes Brilliant. We'll go and follow you there. And Laura, I guess we should get Rose on the line so that we can do our team chat. Hi, guys. Is anyone else sweltering in this heat right now? Oh, goodness, yes. Hot. (laughs) Humid. We wait for nice weather all year and then it arrives and we're all like, Moan, 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 moan. <laughs> Come on, I though. We're, you know, we've never been more British than in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the weather, we're talking about it. My mum always says, don't complain. Yeah. Because it will get cold again, which is always And then we'll the be truth. moaning about it being cold. I think between the time of us recording this podcast and it going out, a few days colder. later, it will probably have cooled down again and everybody yeah. listening is going to be like, what Let's just say, at the time of recording, we are melting. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know what, it may be 28 or something, it's hot. I think what's frustrating about it as well is that you can't even really spend time gardening because it's just too hot to do yeah. anything. Like you, mm. you kind of like have a small window in the morning and then a time mm. in the evening where it's cooled down enough to get out and do some stuff. But yeah it's taking away a lot of your time to do stuff but also Mm. finding the time to water because obviously you don't want to water when it's absolutely scorchio so you're sort of going out there in the early hours of the morning or in the dead of night trying to water everything before it you know while it's actually a bit cooler 
that's my favorite time of the day as well as going out and watering I just when it's cooled down a little bit you know the sun's setting or sometimes sun's rising depending on whether I go out early or after the sun um and yeah it's just really therapeutic and nice just to potter about and give the plants a nice little sprinkling of water or a good soaking usually feels like a release doesn't it like if you've just been stuck inside or all, all day because that's the thing you can't mm. you want to go outside but you can't so then you're inside with the fan but you feel horrible and then mm. when it gets that time you just like oh, I can just like it's actually good to get some outside. fresh air yeah and that's what you want I have to say I don't know if you guys both had a little bit of rain this morning but we had about half an hour of really quite heavy rain breaking the humidity this morning at about half past seven so we went out and had a walk in the rain and there's a little bit of you that thinks is this insane to go out and walk in the rain just because it's really humid but I'm not kidding you there were so many people out for a walk like obviously everybody had just had the same idea yeah I think people just get sick of it like because our houses are not um don't cope well with the heat Mm. like we don't have ac or anything like that so i slept on the floor because i thought (laughs) heat rises right so on the floor (laughs) it's gonna but then it's just uncomfortable so then i'm like laying there like did it help um sort of but also not really i need a fan (laughs) but i don't want to buy one because I don't know. I'm like, oh, it'll get cooler next week. I don't need one. But then it'll just get hot again. So I've been thinking that about those little AC units you can get because I've seen a lot of people raving about them online saying that they're the best purchase they ever made. And I'm like, yeah, they're the best purchase for like <laughs> these two days of heat wave that we're having. But then yeah. come November, you're just it's just sitting there, isn't it? So I'm not yeah. sure. You do appreciate it when you have it, though, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't know maybe maybe I'll get one I've found a really lovely story in the news this week um about Len Goodman (gasps) is it that he's going to invite us he's going to come back to Strictly and invite us on to Strictly is that Um, the story it's not that good (laughs) dream (laughs) well Len if you're listening let your um old friends who are still on Strictly know that we're that we're keen (laughs) <laughs> but he's been gardening during lockdown and he's Has he? said that he thinks it saved his marriage and it got Ooh. me wondering I wonder how many people and if you're listening and this is you let us know I would be keen to hear how many people feel like their marriage has been saved over lockdown where it's been quite an intense time let's face it mm. um to be living with somebody even if you love them <laughs> very very much and I wonder how many people have been quite grateful for being able to spend some time in the garden and just get a bit of peace, you know? Yeah, I think it's, I would imagine it's probably helping people, whatever their cohabiting situation is. Because I think sometimes it's just that getting your head out of whatever you're doing, whether you've been in a big work Zoom meeting or sitting with your family in your house or whatever you've been doing just to be able to go and get half an hour out in nature also I guess things like digging are pretty good if you're annoyed (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just being by yourself just because when you're stuck inside especially if you have young children I can imagine just saying like I'm just going to go outside in the garden for however long just to have that time to yourself I think must be Mm. like really nice I think that's why a lot of people started running as well because it was just like a moment that like a half an hour they could just be by themselves and not Mm. like 
have to deal with other people which I know sounds really yeah. bad but I think you do miss no, that like time to just be by yourself so I'm glad Len found that in gardening and then he was on this morning as well and he was showing um Holly and Phil around his garden and specifically the beetroot he'd been growing and it looked really good it looked like a nice oh, little patch so Len. yeah nice what he said in the sun was I think everyone was concerned about being isolated for months on end so we did a plan of what we could do to save our marriage um because he thought just the two of us mm. what would happen so yeah. um yeah oh, he said that they decided to start out the garden grow some vegetables and salad stuff so they're a little bit self-sufficient and I guess that's been a lot of people over the last few months yeah I do think another part of it also um probably for me thinking about this now really I hadn't thought about it before is the fact that in the current situation and the situation we've been in for the last few months you don't feel like you can have a huge impact on anything really whereas going outside and like I know I've said here on here before that my garden has never been more cosseted than it is now but actually going out there and feeling like Oh, what I'm doing is actually having a positive impact on something mm. instead of feeling out of control of everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so true. Actually, my story um, is a bit like that about how sort of gardening has much more positive attributes than we might imagine. Mm. So, Tell us more. Okay, well, um, firstly... It's about TikTok. Do you both know what TikTok is? Just about. I feel like I'm clinging Mm. on to my youth by (laughs) Um, trying to stay in touch with these things. Well, it passed me by a bit as well. And I like for ages, I was like, I'm not going to download it. I'm not going to download it. Um, But basically, it's a video sharing app. So it's a bit like uh, Instagram, I guess, but with uh, predominantly videos. Well, all videos as opposed to photos. Um, so the way it works is that you just keep scrolling and like it's just one co- video after the other mm. um it's actually been quite a morale booster for a lot of people in lockdown I think because especially at the start of lockdown when it was a bit of a horrible time and we weren't really sure what was happening it was it's quite a comedic app it's mm-hmm. a lot of funny videos on there like you know funny cat videos and things like that I feel like if you've been framed was to yeah. come into the 21st century you know that's kind of what this is a little bit isn't it yeah. there's lots of like I silly videos like that. and who didn't love you've been framed in the good old days so exactly. if you like that um but I read an article by the LA Times actually and it was an interview with a man um called garden marcus um and he's actually a tiktok user and he pretty much puts up videos of him gardening or tending to his plants and sharing tips he lives in uh houston texas which i think is like zone nine or something if you're all into the zones in america i'm not really sure so a lot of the plants that he grows we can't grow so much here so just looking at those is quite interesting like he propagates pineapples he was doing that I was watching that which was quite interesting so he does a lot of um propagation um but he's actually quite like a a positive guru like a positivity guru um and he lives by the motto kindness patience and positivity so he uses like his platform and his videos of him gardening in the garden to actually spread much more of a wider message about acceptance and sort of yeah positivity and kindness and your community um actually one of my favorite videos is actually of him putting up a plant called I think it's Ruella um and it's like a really sort of tough plant with really strong roots it's sort of adapt to grow like in really sort of um hot drought environments so he said 
where a lot of plants might have failed, this plant flourish. Anyway, he was pull it, pulling it up and he made this really great analogy where he said, there are like a million plants and just like people, each plant has its own intricate history and root pattern um, and you can never see this without hard work and awareness. So it's actually really nice. Like when you watch his videos, you sort of just sit there and just be calm for a moment. And I think, yeah, like plants are individual. They're, there's every different, every plant has its own different history and attributes. And actually that's a lot like people. So mm. yes, he's really cool and he's really into gardening. And if you like gardening, you'll love it. But also it's just like a nice positive corner of TikTok and the internet that you might want to visit. And he has so many followers as well. I couldn't believe it's like I know, half almost a half a million, yeah. which is insane. Wow. There's a lot him. of people that he's reaching with these gardening videos. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. That's so great. Oh, and what was what was his name again? Oh, um, Garden Marcus. Laura's going to get Marcus. TikTok. Yeah. Oh, come <laughs> yeah. on. You'll I would love honestly. to say that I will, but <laughs> I still stand so firmly by the fact that I've been born about 400 years uh, <laughs> earlier, later than I should have been because, you know... <laughs> scratching no, things into it you can still you can do it we'll guide you through it it'll be cool what's your story this week laura oh well i feel guilty about it now because you've both brought really nice stories and mine's a bit sort of depressing oh um oh, okay just mood killer just before the end of the podcast um <laughs> basically my question to you is do you both have local allotment sites near you yeah uh yes Lots, because i think I saw a story on the BBC News website about urban dwellers yearning for the good life, but land set aside for allotments in the UK has declined by 65% from the post-war era. And the lost allotments, this this feature says the lost allotments could have provided 6% of the population with their five a day fruit and veg and the most deprived areas suffer the worst decline. It's also saying that the other thing is that the land that was set aside for allotments and then in the spaces that had been closed, about a quarter of the land has not been developed for the buildings that they were going to be used for but has been used for more green space which is great and if they were able to be changed back into allotments for food production the space available could meet up to a hundred percent of the waiting list demand in cities wow and I was thinking that we're quite lucky around here there are quite a lot of allotment sites they all seem to be thriving I think I mean I think they do still have waiting lists because I think that's probably not uncommon but in general there is the space available for people Mm. it's definitely a problem I think yeah and I think especially because obviously not everybody has access to gardens not everybody has access to green spaces and it sort of got me to thinking what what is the answer here if you can't if we can't get the allotment spaces back, what do we do? Does everybody turn to guerrilla gardening? Do we start sort of greening our roundabouts and verges? I think that we do need to take a look at what's happening because I think this decrease and the waiting list for allotments has been a problem for a long time. So like you said, it is where's the green space going like the demands there as well isn't it it's like it's not like oh let's get rid of this you know we don't need these allotments because nobody wants them people want them so so there's not that at all like it's just yeah because I think there's a 
promise or something by your local I might be completely wrong that they local society or council that they have to provide x amount of allotment spaces so we have that not being fulfilled but also I do think that if this is a problem that's gonna keep on going because obviously more houses are going to be built it's just unfortunately like where it goes sometimes even though I think we should fight for more green space that we should start using like the tops of buildings and and the gray spaces absolutely yeah we should and it shouldn't be so hard to get to get access to that and to create them spaces because like gorilla gardening you know sometimes is frowned upon Mm. quite a lot and I think shouldn't like our attitude to greening up areas should change yeah absolutely there's been some really good posts going around um actually recently and I think they've kind of been started by the Black Lives Matter movement and then it's kind of coming off the back of that which is that gardening is political and the fact that Mm -hmm. it's not a level playing field not everybody has access to the same stuff and and uh, you know I'm gonna have to find some stats to back it up but you know if you're from certain areas of the country or you live in certain parts of the city you're less likely to have access and um so we need to try and overcome that yeah I think as well if um obviously everything that has been going on with covid has been awful so I'm not saying let's take a positive but I think if anything good can come from terrible things like the pandemic I think it will be things like people realizing and communities and everybody realizing that actually there is so much value in those green spaces that day to day when you're really busy dashing to work people taking kids to school clubs social events everything you probably don't think about it so much and then something like this happens and you think actually wow we need this yeah I think we'll see the soaring of um people after allotments I'm sure it's happening already with everybody looking to their gardens thinking ahead to next year that I'd imagine that allotment waiting lists are going to start getting even longer but we'll see what happens yes and on the subject of looking forward in your garden and gardening as obviously we're talking about on this podcast I think it's time for me to take a look at some of the top jobs for the week so I don't know if you guys want to get back to magazine production and I will speak to you both next week this month brings the last chance to sow French beans so be sure to get them in the ground now if they're on your crop wish list as well as this there's still time to make sowings of carrots cabbages autumn salad leaves and turnips You'll also need to plant out your brassicas if you haven't done so yet. Obviously one of the key tasks in July is watering, so make sure you have your irrigation schedule organised. There are some crops that will need more watering than others, as well as veg needing different amounts at different stages in their life, so make sure you've checked the needs of your specific crops. This will make sure you aren't spending time and water on unnecessary irrigation. Courgettes, salad crops and leafy greens like chard, they're all thirsty plants throughout their lives so we'll need regular top-ups, while root crops like beetroot and carrots will only need to be watered when the soil dries out and can cope with a little bit of tough love. Crops in containers will need special attention over drier days. Some summer pruning of gooseberries will help keep the plants in good shape and fruiting well. 
If you don't feel confident with the secateurs, why not ask a more experienced allotment neighbour for tips? There are plenty of detailed guides online too. July is a key month for blight, which can hit your tomato and potato crops. Be vigilant to the signs, which are things like brown, shriveling patches on leaves and stems, which can eventually spread to the fruit. Although when caught early, infected stems and leaves can be removed, I'm afraid on allotment plots, it can often be best to remove and destroy infected plants. This prevents blight from spreading to other plots. You can take preventative action though, Blight thrives in humid conditions, so make sure your plants have adequate air circulation and practice good plot hygiene in general. It's also important not to grow plants in areas that have previously harboured the disease. Of course, one of the real joys of this month has to be the plentiful harvests coming in from the garden. Strawberries, raspberries, gooseberries, currants and cherries will all be coming in from the fruit garden, while salad leaves, carrots, potatoes, beetroot and peas are some of the crops you can enjoy from the veg garden. Of course, peas never seem to make it in the kitchen. Here, they're usually snaffled right there and then on the plot. Have a wonderful week in the garden, and until next time... Happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt. And don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for The Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote gpod7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email the dirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.